turn to Matthew chapter 6. We continue to walk through the Lord's Prayer here as we uh, are taking our time to uh, learn about what is prayer biblically. Just a reminder as we're uh, walking through this, we want to know what does the Bible teach us about prayer? We like with so many other topics, we all could, if I were to say, what is prayer? What does it do? Or how does it work? We could come up with 30 different people could come up with 45 different things. And so we wanted to go to the scriptures and see. And so now here we are working through the Lord's prayer as we've uh, been moving through this uh, now for a while. We come, we're now in the final request or the final requests of the Lord's prayer, depending on how you want to see it, asking the Lord not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. So let's stand in the honor of reading the word of our God, and we'll read this Lord's Prayer here, and then we'll start to move uh, more into uh, this, this last text in verse 13. So this is Jesus' words as he was teaching uh, those uh, on the mountain to pray. Uh, it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we are here to worship you today. We are here because you have been so gracious to us. We, we, would, we would need to be here even if you hadn't been gracious to us because you are the God who made this world. You're deserving of praise and honor and glory, but on top of all that you are is what you have done for us as your people. And so, God, we praise you. We lift up you. Uh, and, Father, I pray that you would bless us, God, by helping us to understand your word today. Help us to understand how you work, even in the midst of our stretching, even in the midst of times of difficulty, Father. Help us to learn that we can trust you and how you use even the most difficult times that we face. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've, uh, we've seen now what uh, temptation is. We've been, we started this last request where he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We've, we've seen what temptation is, that, that we've seen that biblically temptation, uh, trials, testing, that, uh, that they're all the same word in, in the Bible. It just depends on how the translators are choosing to translate that word, that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the, the word there behind those words has the idea of a time of stretching. Uh, the time where you're seeing the limits of something, where you're trying to find out the, the end, uh, what, something can, what something can take. And we've all, we've all had moments where we feel as if we are on the brink. That's what this is talking about. Times where we feel like we are stretched thin. We'll even use that phrase sometime. I feel so stretched thin where we're not sure if we can make it. We're not sure if we can get through something. We're not sure if we can uh, keep from giving in to sin. Uh, we've had a, a series of unfortunate events that have come our way. And so those are making us feel like every one of those that piles on us is stretching us more and more. And it's one thing. What do we say? It's one thing after another. Those moments become times of stretching, times where we feel as if we are, we are at our limits, where we're on the brink. Our prayer here uh, is that God would not bring us into those situations. Interestingly, this is the only request in the Lord's Prayer where we ask God not to do something. Uh, Up until this point, if you'll remember, the Lord's Prayer has been all do this, do this, do this. 
Uh, and here it ends with a, but don't do this, do this. Um, here, don't stretch me, don't take me uh, to my limits, don't let me be on the brink of sin, instead deliver me, deliver me uh, from evil. Uh, don't take me to it. Remember, that's what the word lead there means. It's the word that they used. It was used to describe the friends who brought their friend to see Jesus. The Lord, don't bring me to this time of stretching. Instead, deliver me from evil. And so last week, we looked at God's place in our stretching. We went through biblically to see how does, how does God relate to our stretching? What can we remember about God when we're going through times of stretching and how he feels about us and about what we're going through? We saw the promise that God hears us when we're going through times of stretching, that God understands us. Uh, when we're going through times of stretching, times of temptations, times of trials, and that God will not ab- abandon us. Now, all three of those are our feelings we often have to battle when times get difficult, when we feel stretched. These are all, you know, sort of the wrong ways that we view God when things get tough. Uh, when things get tough, we like to think, oh, God doesn't hear me. He's not hearing me. That's the problem. He's not hearing my cry. When things get tough, we think, oh, God doesn't understand me. He's, he's God up there and he doesn't understand what it's like for me. And so I'm so alone. No one gets me. No one understands me. No one knows what I've gone through like I do. And, or he has abandoned me. And so we look scripturally that all of those things are untrue. That God hears, God understands, uh, and God does not abandon his people. He understands our cry. In fact, we saw last week, he said, we can now boldly go to his throne of grace with joy in our time of need and find mercy and grace there. In the midst of our stretching, we can go to God and find mercy and grace to get us through uh, what, we, what we need. Today, though, uh, we're going to talk about what to know when stretching does come. Because we looked last week at the end of James that God says, hey, look, uh, that God is not tempted by evil and he doesn't stretch anybody, doesn't tempt anybody toward evil uh, as, as well. So, so today the question is, if, if, if God is, is, doesn't have any part in that, so what, what can we know about stretching? When stretching does come, what are the things that we can know? Where does stretching come from uh, that, that we battle? Where is that going to come from? Well, we, like we mentioned last week, God does stretch us. There are times where your stretching does come from the Lord, where God does test us. He does try us. Now, we talked about the value of using those, those different words, but where God does stretch us. We looked at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Um, and uh, after these things, God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. The testing of Abraham and the offering up of his son Isaac. And the Lord is testing Isaac. There are times where you're stretching comes specifically from the Lord, where the Lord is stretching you. But we also know, like we saw in James, that God never stretches us toward evil. That God never tempts us with the evil. He never stretches us with the purpose of our, of our failure. So if God never stretches us with evil, the word, the word we often use is, is temptation how we would sometimes, you know, say that in, in English, then where do those stretchings come from? Where does it, when I feel tempted, as we say to sin, when I feel stretched, but not just stretched because things are hard, stretched toward doing something evil, where does that come from? Stretched to say something to my wife I know I shouldn't say. Stretched to, to treat my children a way I know I shouldn't treat them. 
stretch to, to give in to a thought or an action, where does that come from? If it doesn't come from God, and we know it does not. Well, there are a couple places that this can come from uh, biblically. Uh, one, this stuff comes from Satan. All of these are options. Sometimes they work together. So if you, if you have your notes, the second option is that it comes from Satan. First uh, option of stretching, stretching comes from the Lord, but that he does not stretch us toward evil. So where do these evil stretchings come from? They come from Satan. This stretching is what Satan does. Tempting is what he, he does. Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 3, he's called the tempter. It says, and the tempter came and said to him, it's, it's who he is. It, it, I love the translation tempter there because if it was the stretcher came, uh, it would seem like a weird sort of, you know, nickname to give him. What is he doing? He's tempting you. The tempter is coming. That's what Satan does. He stretches. That's his moniker. That's his nickname. If you were going to describe what he does, you know, uh, father of lies. And one, but one of those is the tempter. He is the accuser, the, the tempter. First Corinthians 7 uh, verse 5 tells us the same thing. It says, do not deprive one another. Talking about husbands and wives and their bodies toward each other. It says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again. Why? So that Satan may not tempt you. So that Satan may not tempt you. So where can our temptations come from? Sometimes our temptations come from Satan. Satan can tempt us. Now here's the reality that some of us need to wrap our heads around. You are not that important. Uh, Meaning that Satan is not not the opposite of God. Satan is not an all-powerful, omnipresent being who's everywhere around everyone all the time. Uh, And so, you know, we all feel like, you know, the devil made me do it. But it is not always the case that the devil is having to make you do it. In fact, the devil's probably uh, trying to make someone else do it. Uh, Somewhere else who's doing... We're going to see this. Often the problem is the devil doesn't have to make us do it. Uh, That's going to be the problem in just a second. But if it's not the devil, sometimes it's others. That's right. Others can tempt us toward, uh, toward sin. Others might tempt us either intentionally or unintentionally. And this can include other believers. That we can have temptation... Uh, we can be stretched to sin by what others do. Either, either they'll, we all know this, this is normally what our spouse does because they know us so well. Uh, hopefully they, they don't intentionally do this, but we know how to push each other's buttons, right? We know how to get, like if we're mad, what we want as a spouse is we don't want to be the only person sinning. Sin loves company. And so when sin loves company, we want to say that we know we're sinning. We feel that conviction. And yet oddly, what we want to do is go, hey, boop, push your buttons to try and get you to sin too so that, oh, good. Now we're both yelling and that feels better than me just being the only one who lost self-control. So, but what can happen is either intentionally or unintentionally, other people can tempt us to sin. They can encourage us towards sin. They can stretch us toward that sin. Take, uh, let's take, for example, uh, just a, a couple. First Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible actually warns us about being someone who stretches others towards sin, who leads others to stumble in their sin. 
uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 12 and 13. Thus, sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So here you've got the, this person who knows that food's not being sacrificed to idols, idols aren't real, all this stuff. But he and his callousness toward his brother is actually causing his brother, his weaker brother who doesn't know those things aren't real, who's, who, who's still stuck in the Corinthian mindset with all its gods and everything going on. You guys remember when we went through 1 Corinthians, right? It was like only like five years ago. So as we were, as we, as we're laying that out, we, we, you see here, you've got someone who's only thinking about themselves, but by you only thinking of yourself and what you know to be true and, and your great vast Christian knowledge, you're causing this other brother, tempting this other brother to sin, causing them to stumble. The Bible is warning us about it, that you can be someone who causes a brother to stumble into sin, who leads them to stumble into sin. Now, again, we know you cannot make them sin. You're not going to take the meat and stick it into their mouth. That's not, you can't do that. They willfully choosing to sin, but you can be the one who stretches them to sin. You can be the one who tempts it, who brings the stretching in, who, who comes and says, you know, here I know this food sacrificed to idols, the idols aren't real. And so what do I do? Hello, brother. You know, and like slide the plate of meat over. Um, that's a stretching there. That would be, te- you're not making them sin, but you are doing the stretching. The Bible warns us about that. In fact, the Bible has a grave warning, a, a very serious warning for those who cause others to sin, who stretch others towards sinning. Matthew chapter 18. You can't get more explicit than Matthew 18. Remember Matthew 18, he's going to talk about children and he's talking about these little kids that come to him. But the metaphor there that he's laying out, yes, these little kids are little kids, but he's also saying, hey, my my children are my little kids to me. Uh, and so how you treat my people is, is, is how we talk about these children as well. It says in verse 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. That's great. Verse 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fashioned or fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptations come. So stretchings happen. Stretchings, stretchings to sin happen. It's a necessity in this world, in this fallen world. But he says, woe to those who stretch others towards sin, who are doing the stretching, who are causing the stretching, who are trying to pull people instead of toward the Lord, who are trying to pull people toward a sinful breaking, who are wanting to see the limits of someone else with the intention of getting them to sin. It says, woe to the person that's doing that. Woe to the person who's wanting others to break, who's wanting others to fall and doing things to cause that fall. Woe to you. So, so who can, who can lead us to, who can, who can lead us to sin? Who can, who can bring stretchings into our lives? We saw Satan. We saw others can do it, including you can do it toward others. So take that. I mean, take those grave warnings to heart. Make sure you're not someone who is stretching others to sin. Who's taking the moments where someone else is showing any sign of weakness and you go, now's the time to tear the paper so that I feel better about myself. Be careful of that. And this is especially, again, a warning to those of us in in married life. Be careful of that. 
Be careful of seeing a weakness in your spouse and thinking, I can feel better about myself if I can get them to fail. That is not being a helpmate. That's the opposite of a helpmate. Uh, so don't, don't do that. That's just, that's just common wisdom right there I, I just wanted to put out. But the sad news is this about when we talk about where stretchings can come from. If, if we are honest, the, the sad reality is that when it comes to, to tests and, and temptations to trials, we, we don't need the devil's help. We don't, we don't need others to trick us into temptations. We don't need others to bring the stretching. Normally, the reality is that temptations, trials, uh, testings, they come not from outside us, but from inside us. They come from ourselves. Turn to the book of James. James is going to make this very clear. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. But each person is tempted, is stretched, specifically toward evil, as we saw in verse 13 previously last week is stretched when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I mean, the the reality is we're often led into temptation by no one other than ourselves. And if we're honest, Satan may be our adversary. He may be our accuser, but we are in many ways our own worst adversary. The devil may be walking around like a lion, but, but there's only one of him. He's not omnipresent. He's defined by, by space, and the odds that the space he chooses to define himself with is the space right next to you is probably pretty slim. Most of the time when we fall, it is because of our own leading. It is because of our own desires, James says. I mean, we, li- we like to blame others when we sin. I don't know how many, if if you've been in any counseling with me at all, you have probably heard me say, that person did not make you sin, quit blaming them for your sin. They might have tempted you to sin, but they did not make you sin. You sinned. You did it. And that reality that this temptation has come and birthed sin, not from what they did, but from my own desires. And did they flame my own desires? Yes. But did they light the fire? No. It was my heart that wasn't wet wood. It was my heart that was kindling, ready to be stirred up to sin. And we've got to recognize that when, 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 we, when, when stretching comes, often the stretchings, they come from us. We want to blame everybody else. The Bible says we even want to blame God. Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Let that be an encouragement to you married couples and parents. Uh, that when, you're, when your child sins and they get mad at you, and you're what did I do? Realize that they're also mad at God. Uh, so if they can get mad at God, they can surely get mad at you. Uh, if your husband uh, sins and he gets mad at you for it, you're going, I was just trying to help. Recognize recognize that a man in his, his folly will, will rage against the Lord. Of course, they're going to rage against you because we like to blame everybody else. We like to say they made, I mean, there's a reason that everyone knows the phrase, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. We all like that. We like to say that uh, they made me, they caused me. But the truth is no one can make you do these things that they can stretch you. They can stretch you. But the reality is normally it's not even them that are stretching you. Normally no one needs to stretch us. We do a fine job of that all on our own. 
a fine job of bringing stretching into our lives, of stretching ourselves, of not killing our thoughts, not taking our thoughts captive to obedience to Christ, not keeping our mouths shut, not being quick to listen and slow to speak, not doing all the things, not, not, not recognizing that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, not doing all the things we already know we're supposed to do. We let our desires run free. We let them sit there and do whatever they want. And then a time of difficulty comes and they go, wee, now's our chance. The stretching often comes from us. It comes from inside us. It, comes from, it, it, it is born from us not getting a hold of our desires before the temptation was brought our way, before the stretching was brought our way. We've already stretched ourselves and these situations just aren't. Uh, helping. So you you can see with all these adversaries within and without, that's why we pray what we pray here. We say, God, don't lead me. Don't bring me into these trials. You know, you be my respite. You deliver me. You You be my safe haven. Because I've got everybody else trying to bring me into stretchings. I've got everybody else trying to stretch me here. Satan's trying to stretch me. Others are trying to stretch me. I'm trying to stretch me. So, so, Father, don't bring me into these times of temptation. Even though we know that God does not stretch us towards sin, that others do, uh, does that mean that God then has no role in our stretching? So when stretching comes, we realize where the stretching has come from. We can look at and say, okay, this is where the stretching might be coming from. If we've got someone in our life who's bringing stretching us, who's bringing temptation us, get rid of that person, stay away from that, recognize that and the temptation that's going to be with it. If it's stretching that comes from within us, you know, deal with that as well. Recognize it, kill it, kill the sin before it kills you, all those sorts of things. But what now? let's say now we're in the stretching. The stretching here. It doesn't matter where it came from, right? We're in it. We don't want to spend the whole time that we're being stretched just trying to figure out what caused it or where it came from. We've got to deal with the stretching. And so since God doesn't bring the stretching into our lives, the stretching towards in it, if he hasn't brought that stretching in, does that mean he's got nothing to do with us during that stretching? We've seen that God promises to hear. We see he promises to understand. We see he promises not to abandon us. But all those things are passive, right? All those things are passive. He's, he's listening. He's understanding. He's not going to abandon you. But God's not just passive when we are in difficult times. He's not just passive when we're being stretched. He's not just up there saying, I've got you. I've got you. In fact, the Bible tells us that God takes a very active role when we are stretched. Whether the stretching comes from others or from ourselves. The fact that God doesn't bring it doesn't mean God doesn't help us in the midst of it. So what do we know about God's active role in our testing, in our trials, in our temptations? What does God do for us when we're being stretched? What promises does he make us? So I'm being stretched. I know, maybe I know it came from myself. Maybe I know it came from someone else, uh, another person. Maybe it even, even came from Satan himself. What do I know that God promises he is doing for me in the midst of my stretching? I'm being stretched right now. It's a difficult time. I'm, I'm facing temptation. I'm going through trials. What can I know about the promises uh, that God Uh, that God makes well to understand uh, what God does in his stretching the first thing we need to do is turn to second Peter chapter 2 verse 7 through 9 so what does God do God rescues us from trials 
God rescues us. So the first thing that God promises that he does, because again, he's not just passive in our trials. Our, our, our prayer might be, you know, God don't drop us into trials. It's not just God don't drop us in. It's God don't, don't bring us, but also deliver us. And that's the first thing we see, that God rescues us from our trials. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 through 9 says, And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed, by the central conduct of the, of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. There's that same word, from trials, from temptations, from testing, from stretching. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of Judgment. So when it comes to testing, God doesn't lead us into trials. Here we see he's the one who, who, who leads us out of them. He brings us out of them. So if you're in the, in the middle of a trial, if you're in the middle of a testing, know that you are not beyond God's rescue. If God can rescue Lot out of Sodom, right? If he can rescue Lot out of Sodom, he can rescue you out of whatever you're going to. That's what Peter's trying to say. Look, if God can rescue Lot out of Sodom, then you, you know, diasporan people, uh, Jews, God can rescue you out of whatever you're going through. And he does. He has proven that he can rescue his people, that he does rescue his people. So one thing you can know when you're going through a time of stretching, when you feel stretched by what's going on around you, when it feels, might even feel like it's lawlessness and chaos everywhere, as I'm sure it felt that way to Lot, as he looked and said, hey, you can, you can imagine having a whole city trying to stretch you, <laughs> a whole city doing these things. And yet he can say, you know, it might look like chaos, but God can rescue us even from that. If God can rescue righteous Lot from the midst of Sodom, then he can rescue you from whatever you're being stretched by, whatever temptation you're facing. So when you cry out, Lord, you know, don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You can know that's exactly what he promises that he does for his people. That he rescues his people out of trials. Remember that God rescues the godly from temptations, even the ones that might be plaguing us day after day, as righteous lots were. Because what we can often think is God will rescue us from temptations that come right now. So a temptation comes in and God rescues us from that one. But here, how long, how long has Lot been stretched by the situation in Sodom? How many day after day? And at one point, I bet he began to doubt. Uh, well, I can't say that because scripture doesn't say it, but it would be reasonable for him to doubt uh, that God hears him or God understands him or that God, maybe even to think that God has abandoned him. Because here he is and everyone, I mean, Sodom's getting like it's being full of Sodomites uh, and, and it's not looking much better. And he's looking around day after day and yet the Lord rescued him. So when you're in the midst of stretching, it may, it may be an instant stretch. It may be something that pops up right now. And you want to say this, boom, right now. And you're going, you know, it's like, it's like a quick, you know, burst of a stretch, like pulling a balloon and you're going to see if it's going to pop. And you're going, Lord, I need you to rescue me right now. 
<laughs> I need you to get me out of this right now. And you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. I mean, the Lord can rescue you from those moments. Certainly, he can rescue you from a temptation that springs up like a firecracker. But he can also rescue you from temptations that you've been battling for years. He can also rescue you that, from things that from day after day have been plaguing your soul. Just like he rescued Lot. Uh, from Sodom, even as day after day, he says, he was being tormented uh, by this stretching that he was in the middle of. So, so whether the, the, the temptation coming your way is a quick one, trying to get you to blow up right now, or it's a slow burning one, you've, it's been, this is, the, it's the stew that you've been, you've been cooking stretching stew. Uh, it's been sitting on the burner for weeks and then years and you've been stewing on it and thinking about it and it's gone from a low boil to the pot. The lid on the pot is starting to shake a little bit and the, the, the steam is starting to come over the edge of the pot and you go, here we go. Whatever it is, the Lord can rescue you from that stretching. So whether you're someone who has been tempted lately with something, a recent temptation, maybe you've felt things stretched between you and one of your children, or you felt a stretching between you and your spouse, you know, where'd this come from? Maybe it's a stretching to commit a sin that you've never been tempted to commit before. Know that the Lord can rescue out of those instantaneous temptations. So when a temptation comes up, you are right to say, Lord, rescue me, deliver me from this, because that's what he does. But it can also be a temptation that you've dealt with for years that you've thought it's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to think it. I'm going to whatever. Uh, you, you can know that it is right even in those to say, Father, rescue me. Rescue me from this stretching because that's what he does. Because he rescues his people. He can rescue us. He doesn't even just use righteous lot as an example in Genesis, he comes back and tells us here in Second Peter, remember the story of Lot. That's what you're supposed to learn. Even when you're tormented day after day by something or someone, God can rescue you from that temptation. And the rescue will never be a giving in to the sin. Recognize that. Uh, so, for example, if, if you're married, the rescue isn't, I'm going to leave the state. Uh, that's not rescuing you from the temptation. If the temptation is with your kids and they just talk back to you, you go, well, I'm just going to ignore them uh, for the rest of their childhood. Uh, that's, not, that's not the rescuing that he does. The Lord can handle the stretching. He can stop the stretching. He can bring the trial to an end. And that's what, uh, that's what we want. So he, that's what he promises us here, that the Lord rescues us from trial. But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What if we're not rescued? What if we're not rescued right away? What if, what if we're in the stretching still, even after the praying? Like Lot might have been after day one of Get me out of Sodom. Uh, you know, day one of this is not going well, Lord. Uh, my neighbors uh, are not the best neighbors. They love me, but maybe a little too much. Uh, whatever it might be, what can we, you know, how can I do that? How can you get me out of this, Lord? What do we do when he doesn't rescue us if we're still in the stretching? Well, one, remember, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. Or that he doesn't care about you. That he just, since he didn't rescue you from the stretching, that means that he just is going to let you fail. That's not the truth at all. That there are times where God rescues his people. Uh, and there are times that 
He does not immediately rescue them, like we talked about with righteous Lot, day after day. But God does make promises about our stretching. One is that God limits our stretching or regulates our stretching. God actually mitigates our temptations. So the Lord, let's say stretching has come from somebody. The Lord is not just letting that run free over us. You can think of Job and Satan and the, and the guidelines that the Lord gives to Satan in his temptation. You can do this, but you can't, you can't do this. Don't touch him. You can do all these other things, but here's the, here's the regulations that I'm going to give you. Here's the limits to what you can do and the stretching that you're, you're bringing him. So the Lord mitigates us, he, he, and in that way, he's protecting us. So even in our stretching, we can know this stretching is not, this thing that comes our way, this trial that's come our way, this testing, this stretching is not chaotic. It's not out of control. It's not outside his purview or control. It's not outside his sovereignty. So when it comes to our testing, God's hand is never out of the equation. God may not be the one who brings the stretching into our life, but that doesn't mean that he just lets the the stretching just run rampant over us, that he lets the temptation just have us. The Bible actually promised that God God gives our trials safeguards. So, for example, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's look at the safeguards that the Lord gives us. This regulations, limiting that he promises with every stretching. He says, no stretching, no temptation. So you go, but what about this temptation? If it falls under the word no, uh, if it falls under the word any, then yes, that one's counted here as well. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common demand. And look, if he can say that to the Corinthians, he can say that to anybody. Uh, if he can tell the Corinthian church, no temptations overtaken you except as a common demand, you go, man, things in Corinth were weird. Uh, and yet even to them, he can say, no stretching, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. How do we see the faithfulness of God? He will not let you be stretched. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, with the stretching, with the trial, with the test, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So God may, uh, God may never lead you into this temptation, but every, every trial, every temptation, every struggle that comes your way, you can know you can endure it because God will not let you be led into a trial by anyone that will bring your certain defeat. He will not allow the stretching to get to that point. He will not let it get to the point where you cannot keep from breaking. So when you pray, don't lead me into temptation, yet you still find yourself in temptation, you still find yourself being stretched. What can you know? Well, God can rescue me if he needs to. I've seen that. And if he doesn't, then that means that this stretching is one, it's common to man. It's not, I'm not being stretched in a way no one else has ever been stretched. And I know that God is faithful. And how do I know that? What is his faithfulness specifically? It's not just that he's faithful and he's up there going, I'll be faithful when you fall. I'll be there to pick you up. That's not the faithfulness. It describes his faithfulness here. And his faithfulness is that he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not let you be stretched by anyone, including yourself, beyond your ability. 
but with the stretching, he will provide a way of escape for you so that you may be able to endure it. That's what you can know. If you're in the middle of stretching, you say, God, get me out of the stretching. He can do that. But if he doesn't, what can you know about what you're going through? If I'm going through this, then God knows I can handle whatever it is I'm going through through him. God knows that in Christ, I have the ability to get through whatever stretching this might be. Maybe I need to turn to Philippians 4 and be reminded of all the things and all the ways that I can be stretched by. And know that because of Christ, I can get through that. That he promises there's, he will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able to bear. Beyond my ability. So if I'm stretched by this, I can't say, I can't give myself the out. I can't blame others and say they're going to make me do it. And I can't say, I'm too weak, I can't do this, and just give in. That's a lie. And it's not just a lie about you, it's a lie about your God. It's a lie about His faithfulness. Because He's the one that promises, if the temptation comes, it will not, He will not allow it to come to a degree that you are not able to handle. And so when you fall down, we've already talked about blaming others, but when you fall down and you say, I can't handle this, I'm giving in because I don't have the strength, who you're denying is not just you, you're denying him and his work in you. You're denying the power of Christ at work in his people. You are blaspheming the Lord while pretending to be humble, while pretending to be pious, while pretending to be even repentant. Oh, I hate that I've got to give in to this. I hate that I can't do this right. I I hate that I've just got to say it. I hate that I've just got to think it. I hate that I've just got to do it. You don't. Because if the temptation has come to you, and God is not a liar, then he will be faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. And with the temptation, he has given you a way of escape, so that you may be able to endure it. So whatever we go through, no, this is not beyond our ability to handle, not because we're great, but because God is faithful. God is faithful. The next thing we can know is that our temptation proves our faith. Man, I really should keep a clock up here, but I don't. Who cares? All right. The last thing we see is that temptation proves our faith, that God used this, uses stretching to prove our faith. Christian stretching is a proving, not a failing. So when you go through stretching and God's allowing you to go through it, he's allowing this stretch. Think of what he's doing. He's showing you your abilities in Christ. He's strengthening you. He's showing you how far you, I don't know if if anyone's ever competed in sports, you know, and you start stretching and, and the next thing you know, you've been stretching for, you know, a few weeks and you can touch your toes. You know, you can start touching, and you're I used to not be able to touch my toes, and now I can touch my toes. And you're like, you know, maybe, maybe a few years ago you couldn't even see your toes, and yet now you're able to touch your toes. All those things are showing, that stretching is showing you that you can do what you originally couldn't do. A Christian testing, when your Christians are tested, when they're stretched, the goal that the, the Lord gives to us is not one of failing, but of proving. Look at James chapter 1 again. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. This is why James says in the beginning of this, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet 
trials, when you meet stretchings, when you meet temptations, whatever, various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith lacking in nothing. This is the verse I sent out last night in preparation for Bible study this morning. This is the one I encourage you guys to read uh, for your family Bible preparation for today because of this. Now, it's interesting, that word for testing in verse 3, where it says, you know that the testing of your faith... That's actually a different Greek word from the word trial, the word temptations. This, this word here uh, is a word that means proving. For you know that the proving of your faith. I actually think that's a better translation. It makes the point a little bit more clear and more encouraging. It makes more sense if you read it that way. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet stretchings of various kinds. For you know that the proving of your faith... It's reminding you that if God is letting you go through this stretching, the intention of the stretching is not your failure, but the proving of your faith. The proving of who you are. So when a stretching does come and we're being stretched, what we've got to do is not go, okay, I'm about to fail. That's that's what leads us to anxiety. We start to see ourselves stretched and we have such a low view of ourselves and a low view of God that we say, okay, if I'm being stretched, then my failing is coming. I'm about to do something I shouldn't do. I feel it coming. I'm about to say something. I'm, and this is why I encourage us to never say things like, I'm just gonna, well, I know he's gonna say this and I'm gonna do, I go, don't do that. Don't give into that. Don't think that this stretching has to result in your failure. It doesn't. In fact, the Bible says you can count these stretchings joyously. And there'd be no way the Bible could say that except in saying count it as joy because this is going to not show that you're, you don't have any real faith. You're not even really a Christian. It's all been fake. It's not showing you that. That when you and I go through stretching that we can handle because the Lord promises that. That we have an escape out of because the Lord promises that. That God's faith will over because he promises that. As we are going through those things and we are stretched and do not break because he is at work in us. What does that do? It's not failure. That's a proving of our faith. That's an encouragement to us. When we make it through. When we don't want to just to steal from the foundry. When we don't just get through it. When we glorify God in it. Right? When we're first Christians, we're just trying to get through temptation. We're just trying to make it. We're just trying not to just flub the name of the Lord that we love so much. But we begin to recognize what? We don't want to just get through the temptation. We want to get on the other side of it and not just not be broken. We want to get on the other side of the temptation and have glorified God as we went through the stretching. The only way that can happen, not just get through it, but to glorify God as we go through it can only happen because our faith is genuine. Not only is God always faithful, but in his faithfulness, he proves our faith as well, even in the midst of our stretching. This is why the Bible tells us that our trials reveal our roots. When you go through stretching, it reveals where your roots are or where they're not. So uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 13 uh, it says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, time of stretching, they fall away. Well, if you go through testing and you don't fall away, that's the negative side. But let's think about it on the other side. If you, if you go through testing and you don't fall away, if you go through stretching and you don't fall away, you make it. At the end of it, you might be sweaty. You might be wore out. Uh, you might be ready to just take a nap. But you've made it through. What, is that, what does that mean? Well, that means your faith does have roots. It means it's not fake. It means it's real or you would have fallen away. You would have. That's what, that's what Christ tells us here in Luke 8. 
You hear the word of God, people hear it, they receive it, they go, yes. But then they get tested, they go, oh, I'm done. I don't know this testing. And they, they, they prove that their faith had no roots. But if you don't, if you're stretched and you remain, what does that show you? It shows that your faith has roots, that it is real. It is real. Because without real roots, no one makes it through testing. No one makes it through stretching. And this is why the Bible encourages us to test ourselves, to examine ourselves. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, stretch yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So when we're tested, what do we end up seeing? When we're tested, we see that Christ is in us. That our, that our faith has roots, but they are roots attached to the vine. They are roots that go deep into the, the God-man. They are roots that go down into the strength that we have in Christ. We're rooted in Him. We're abiding in Him, or we would fail every single test, every single stretching. So can you pass whatever test you're going through? Well, the one in you, The one whose strength you have is the one who passed all the tests of Satan himself. And he's given his strength to you. The one to whom the tempter came thrice. Facing the full brunt of Satan's temptation. None of us have ever faced that. Because we all at some point have given in. To temptation. Of course he can give you the strength to pass whatever you're going through. Of course he can. If Jesus succeeded there, he will succeed in your life too. So testing is a blessing because it proves to us. That's why we can count it as joy. It proves to us that our faith is real. And that we're not just in Christ, but that Christ is in us. Or we would fail every test. We couldn't make it through any stretching. So testing is a double proving. It proves both God's faithfulness and yours. God, by not giving you more than what you can bear, and yours, by bearing what you couldn't bear without Christ in you. It's a double proving. That's why you can rejoice in it. Because it's proving your faith is real. So what can we know about testing, about trials, about temptations? God tests his people, but never with sin as the end goal. Those tests come from Satan, from others, from ourselves. We can ask God not to let us be tested. And if the test is beyond you, he will rescue you. If God doesn't rescue us from a test, it's because this testing, this stretching is not beyond your ability to bear. And there is a way of escape. God is being faithful. Our stretching is not going to end our faith. It's not going to end your faith. Your testing, the thing you're going through is there to prove your faith. To show you your roots and to show you that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So if God allows you to be stretched, It's not to fail you. It's not because he's failed you, and it's not for you to fail. It's to prove you, and it's to prove himself. It's not to show you that he's abandoned you. It's to show you that his son is in you. And so then, like James says, when we look at testing, it becomes a source of worship, a source of praise. Not only can you and I make it through any test, any temptation, any stretching, any trial we face, we can glorify God in the midst of it. We can count it joy somehow. Why? Because our testing is not a doom. It's not something we need to fear or being stretched. It isn't something we need to be afraid of. 
It's a trial we can rejoice in. If God has me here, going through this stretching, it's for a purpose. It's not for my failure. That's not the purpose. That never is. But my faith, not my failure, but my faith that is going to be the outcome of this test. So then what do I do in the midst of a stretching? I lift my head. I strengthen my knees. And I prove that he is who he says he is. I prove that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And when we do that, then we can rejoice in whatever stretching we go through. Because we're going to prove him and we'll prove our faith as well. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment and think about the word that we've heard. Think about the various passages and texts that we've read. We don't want to quickly uh, move away from any conviction of the spirit. We don't want to just say, oh, got it. Ready to move on. Let's see where the Lord has convicted us. Maybe where the Lord has encouraged us. If there's a, a passage or a truth that we looked at that is just very encouraging to you, just praise God for that right now. It's his faithfulness, if it's, if it's what he does in the midst of testing, if it's his promises that he makes, whatever it is, just praise God. Just take a moment to just worship. Uh, just even, even praise him in the midst of, of looking at stretching and hard times. Was there anything in those texts that convicted you maybe convicted you in how you've been thinking about God, or maybe you've been doubting his faithfulness and how you've been looking at the things you're going through. Maybe when things got hard, you, you blamed him or you did think he abandoned you. You doubted his love for you. You doubted his care. Maybe you doubted his work in you because you said, I can't get through this. I can't handle this. Even though he promises that you can, that he won't allow you to be tempted in any way that you can't. And take a moment and just, you know, confess to the Lord that, that we do, we are often tempted to doubt his faithfulness in the midst of hard times. And the irony is, as we've seen, those hard times are actually going to prove his faithfulness and prove yours by showing you the roots that you have, the roots that he's given you, the roots that grow down, not just to just soil, but to his son. How have you been handling stretching? Do you see the the purposefulness in anything that you're going through? Or sometimes do you look at at times of temptation and think it's just chaos? Do you think your world is just out of control? If you're in Christ, it, it never is. Pray that pray that pray that God would not lead you into temptation. Pray that He'd not lead you into stretching. But when you're in it, how do you view it? Are you still just praying to get out of it? Listen, if you couldn't handle this, God would rescue you from it. Remember that. He would. The fact that he hasn't means that this is not beyond you and that you are not beyond him. So you can pray, Father, bring us not into into temptation. Bring us not into testing. But if you do, We know that the end result is not going to be our defeat, but our victory. 
The end result is not going to be our failure, but our faith. Father, you tell us that times of stretching will come in this world. And Father, we as a church are going through a time of stretching right now. I mean, we can't look at all the various sicknesses, the difficulties, the struggles that we're facing both personally uh, and health-wise and all the random things that have been brought our way, even in the last month, and, and say these are just chaos. Father, we know that the devil rages. And Father, it is no surprise that the moment that that abortion mill was shut. The devil raged against our church. And it is not shocking, God, for us to go through a time of great stretching. But Father, we're going to come to you in this and say, God, we know if all this stuff is happening, we know that it can't all just be happening by chance. Then this is a stretching and it seems big, It seems big to go through all these things at once and everything that's going on uh, with with our physical bodies, with our spiritual bodies, like everything that is happening. It can be easy to look at that and go, woe is us. But instead, Father, for us to look and say, we can be stretched by all this and know that we will not break. That not only will we not break, but we will glorify you in the midst of difficult times. That you will not allow the enemy to stretch us beyond what we're able to bear. And that, Father, we will glorify you at the end of even the most difficult of stretchings. Let that be our goal and let us have confidence. Confidence that we can. Confidence in you. Confidence in Christ. Christ in us and us in him. May that help us to see how we can face anything that comes our way whether it's our children and the stretching that they face in the world that they will grow up in or the stretching they face and having to submit to their parents, even when their desires of their heart are to get to do what they want to do. I pray, Father, that you would help our kids today to remember that when they're being stretched and they feel like they've just got to tell mom and dad no or rebel or do whatever, that they don't have to. That they can glorify God in every interaction with their parents, and I pray that our children would. I pray that they'd be a picture of how we are supposed to respond to our Heavenly Father. I pray also for all of us, uh, Father, that we would recognize in the stretchings that we go through in our marriages, that nothing is stretching us so that a husband cannot act like Christ who loves the church, and no stretching comes that makes a wife not act like the church in, in obedience to Christ. We can do all those things and always do those things no matter what comes our way because you promised us that. So help us to see our stretchings, Father, the right way. Help us to begin to see these testings, these trials, these temptations as we're supposed to see them and and, and know where they come from and your role in them when they have come. Help Help us to show the world that your salvation is real. By us able to go through tests we couldn't go through on our own. May we glorify you in all that we do. May you be, may you be praised in our worship today, not in just rejoicing in what you've done, but, but setting our hearts to believe what you've said about the stretchings that are to come our way. 
Help us, Father, to grow and to be more obedient and more faithful still. Always in Christ, who is our hope. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.